0: Today's guest is writer, actor, and producer, and member of the uh, Broken Lizard comedy group, Mr. Eric stahl How are you, Eric? Hey, good morning. <laughs> well, g- good afternoon here. We're working with a time difference.
1: <laughs> That's true. What are you guys, uh, six, eight hours ahead of us? Six hours, yes, right? Uh, yeah, six o'clock over here. So
0: evening almost, man. Nice. <laughs> um, so how ha- have you been dealing with like the... Um, I don't know, I hate to put it politely, the uh, the COVID, like, has it, has it stopped anything for you? Stopped any productions or anything?
1: Oh, yeah, big time, big time. I mean, ever since March, everything's just shut down. Uh, all my travel, I mean, I used to travel all the time, like twice a week, just all over the place. I had five trips canceled, like, in an hour. You know, everything just shut down. So I've been, uh, I've flown, I, I currently have been spending time in Minneapolis, It's sort of the middle of the country. Uh, Maybe you've heard of it because of the riots we've been having in the last uh, couple of months, unfortunately.
0: It's not really
1: something that Minneapolis or Minnesota is known for, but it's been uh, something unfortunate we've had to deal with this year. And hopefully things will be better. But um, so my wife and I grew up in Minneapolis. We've been spending some time here, but we normally spend a lot of time in California, Los Angeles, because that's, you know, where we make movies. But, you know, production shut down. And then, um, so I've been back once since March, and normally, you know, I would just be there all the time. So, so are you? Are you currently? Are you
0: managing to work on anything or any writing or anything?
1: Yeah, you know, we, we were we were very lucky in the sense that we were we closed two writing deals just when COVID hit, and so it was very fortunate because it gave us a lot of time to sort of focus on writing. And normally, the five of us in Broken Lizard. Which I like your little figurines, (laughs) pop dolls. There, the five of us. We uh, normally would get together in a room and write, and that's what we did for 20 years. Uh, But currently, we have to do it over Zoom. Okay. okay. Which has been a very different uh, way to write, but we've adapted and it's actually working pretty well. Yeah. So you say like the five of you together. Is that how you normally write with all five of you in one room? Yeah. So if anybody's watching and they don't know what we're talking about, uh, I'm a member of a five-man sketch comedy group. Uh, Our mentors, uh, mentors is the wrong word, our idols growing up would be uh, your sketch comedy group, uh, Extraordinaire Monty Python. Yeah. So, like, uh, we grew up loving Monty Python, and we are currently a five-man sketch comedy group that makes movies, Super Troopers and Beer Fest maybe being our most well-known. And our writing process is that we uh, would get together in a room, and, yeah, we write very collaboratively. So an idea comes out, somebody jumps on it, somebody jumps on that, and it keeps just kind of riffing and building. And so it's always fun to have that energy of being in the same room and writing together. Um, But this Zoom thing is uh, pretty good. It's a yeah. pretty good substitute during this weird pandemic. Yeah, it's as close as you can get, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm in a room with you. It's wild being <laughs> across the country. Six hours apart, you're in a different country, and I feel like we're, you know, could be in the same room. It's it's an interesting
0: film. Yeah. yeah, so as you were saying, you're part of the Broken Lizards comedy group. So uh, the films you've done together, Puddle Cruiser, Super Troopers, uh, Club Dread, Beer Fest, Super Troopers 2. Oh! Slamming salmon, sorry. I forgot to say yeah. Um, Do you have a particular favorite out
1: of the six, or are they all, your, you're all your babies and you can't? Pick? <laughs> That's what I was going to say. It's kind of a funny question because they are your children, right? But. Um... I don't know. They were all fun. Puddle Cruiser was interesting in the sense we didn't know what we were doing. We were trying to figure out where to put the camera. I think there's some fun dialogue in there. A lot of people go back and they see it and they're like, what's this? You know, It's so much lower budget than Super Troopers. Um, Super Troopers was a lot of fun too because, again, we were kind of figuring out where to put the camera. Didn't know if we had anything. feel like we kind of got lightning in a bottle in the sense that people liked it and it kind of became a cult hit. Um, But when you're shooting it, you don't know what's going to work. So thinking back on that, that was kind of a fun yeah, yeah, time period, you know, when you're on set with Farva, but you never knew if that was going to work or anything. And you're shooting the powdered sugar scene or any of that stuff, which turned out to be scenes that people repeat, but at the time when you're shooting it, you don't know if it's going to work. It was kind of fun to think back on that. I, for for um, you in particular, the, uh, the bear fucker scene, obviously. <laughs> <it's>... <laughs> I can call bear fucker a lot. You know, <laughs> long, yeah. So that Funko Pop doll behind you, originally they had made that, you know, they made prototypes and they sent it to us to approve. Yeah. And yeah. the original one was I was a bear, the bear fucker, which I think is way better. Yeah. Like the maple syrup thing is fine, but it's it's good. But it's what they wanted was that if people wanted to put Jay and I against each other, it would be like we're having a syrup checking competition. Oh, but okay. I still think the bear fucker uh, doll was a better way to go. <laughs> It's, it's
0: uh, I think they're both very memorable scenes, but yeah, certainly the bear fuckers, a li- little bit more.
1: <laughs> it's funny, sometimes i be walking my dog down the street and i somebody yell Hey bear <laughs> Or their car.
0: <laughs> but again, that's got to be quite cool, isn't it? That some random person driving past knows your film. Yeah, it's weird. It's always weird and it happens, yeah. It's like you say... Um, with super troopers becoming like a cult classic, it, it, is that, is that a good experience? You know, where, where it's, you, you almost become sort of known for that one film in some, mm. you know, to certain people. Sure. Um, but it's still, but people really love that film, you know, so it, it, is it good or do you think, well, you know, there's four other films we made that we're not, we
1: don't have moustaches and, Sure, five. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I mean, the the alternative is that nobody likes your movies. Yeah. So I think it's a great thing to have. I mean, people ask me, does it bother you when people want to come up if you're eating lunch and ask you for your autograph or someone says hello at a bar? And I'm like, no, I love it because the alternative is that people didn't like your movies. And so if somebody wants to come up and say, hey, thank you for, you know, having sex with that bear or (laughs) trying to make syrup, you know. Uh, I, I think it's, I'm flattered. I'm flattered. Yeah. I'm, a, you know, I couldn't be more grateful for the fans because the alternative is that you didn't uh, do a good job.
0: <laughs> in, in Beer Fest and in Slamming Salmon, there's proper portraits of you. There's, well, you know, one's supposed to be your cousin uh, or a distant relative. Yeah. But um, they, do you own those pictures? Are they anywhere? Like, what happened to them?
1: Yeah, they exist. So, Kevin Heffernan, who played Farvin Super Troopers, his brother is an artist. He's a painter and he made those for us. Uh, so, Kevin feels the proprietary right to keep them since it was uh, someone in his family that painted them. So, he has them somewhere. Okay. But I didn't get to keep them. Paul that's, and I did not get to keep ours.
0: That's a shame. Because the, the, the one of you being punched by uh, Michael Clark, don't that <laughs> That's amazing.
1: Yeah, that's right. So there's one in Beerfest and Slam and Salmon, two separate portraits. It's like the, the last frame of Slam and Salmon yeah. is the picture. It was based on the uh, yeah. uh, from the end of Rocky. It was uh, sort of a send off, a send up of that. I, I think Kevin has that one too. He might have that in his office.
0: <laughs> uh, but mentioning Michael, obviously, uh, throughout the films you've worked with some amazing actors. You've uh, Bill Paxton, uh, Rob Lowe, um, Brian Cox, obviously. But is, is that a great experience working with them or are you, are you a bit
1: nervous around them? <laughs> uh, I will say it's an overwhelmingly an amazing experience. Um, I remember when we first were shooting Super Troopers early, early in our career, we worked with enough sort of like uh, Academy Award winning actors now that we uh, are more comfortable. But at first, you know, it's 20 years ago when Brian agreed to make Super Troopers and people still say, well, how'd you get Brian Cox? Well, first, he wasn't quite as famous back then as he is now. But he uh, had done some big movies like uh, Manhunter and obviously a lot of uh, stage work. Um, And so he often got only offered very dramatic roles. And so he sort of his agent sort of sought out Super Troopers because he didn't get offered comedies. It's very hard in Hollywood to get offered some things when you're not um, seen as like a comedian. Like, you know, mostly it'd be like Bill Murray or people get offered these comedic roles. And he, always loved Jerry Lewis and always wanted to do comedy growing up. He's excellent at comedy, but he never got offered the role. So he kind of sought out the idea of doing an independent comedy. And, uh, and then, and so then we were like, wow, that's, that's Hannibal from, that's Hannibal <laughs> Lecter from Manhunter. Can he, does he have the comedic chops? And so we weren't sure, but we knew he was such a great actor with such gravitas and levity that we said, uh, we have to have him in there. And he was also in this movie Rushmore, which he was really good. He had a kind of a small part, but he was great. And we said, yeah, let's get, that'd be great. So then he was coming to set and there was these nerves because he, I think he had just come off doing like King Lear, touring like India, doing King Lear, you know, just gigantic work. <laughs> and here we are getting to work with this, you know, incredible stage actor. So there was nerves for sure. And we had a lot of joking about it, but uh, he's such a professional, such a cool guy. And he's funny and relatable. And uh, he just made us all feel at ease. And, you know, when you see the movie, you feel like we're all uh, a, a team together. Yeah. You believe I mean, it. You know, yeah. Yeah. You believe it, right? Yeah. I mean he made it seem like he's just one of us. And then obviously
0: um Bill Paxton as Coconut Pete, which is uh uh oh, I can't think of the, the guy's name. The who the who he's based on.
1: Oh, he's based on Jimmy Buffett. Jimmy Buffett. That's, I,
0: I wanted to say Warren Buffett and I was like, I know that's not right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's the next movie. That's the people, uh, <laughs> <cool>. yeah. <laughs> Uh, Coconut Pete uh, was basically a fun send-up of uh, Jimmy Buffett. So instead yeah. of Margaritaville, uh, Coconut Pete had Pina Colada Berg. That uh, comedically he had written the song before Margar- Margaritaville, uh, and but it didn't get as much radio play. As a, just a f- yeah. funny plot twist that we had.
0: The the scene where the you're sat in the campfire and the girl tells him to play Margaritaville is <laughs> uh, some classic Bill Paxton acting in there.
1: Yeah, Bill was great too. We had grown up loving Bill. He was in this movie, Weird Science, where he played Chet, if you remember that. And he was just uh, very funny in that and kind of an iconic role. So uh, we were excited to have Bill in Club Dread. Yeah. And then uh,
0: in uh, in Slamming Salmon, which I, 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 I love Super Troopers, and that was the first film of yours that I saw. But I, I, I have a real soft spot for Slamming Salmon. I don't, I don't know what it is, but I really love that film. But the, um, the whole scene between you and uh, Michael Clark Duncan, where he can't get your name right because you've got a <laughs> Greek name, um, <laughs> it gets
1: me every time. <laughs> yeah, my name is uh, Gaimedropades, but he keeps calling me Mitre. <laughs> <laughs> a,
0: why doesn't it sound like that when I say it? It's just such a great line, <laughs> <laughs> tricks
1: <Mitre. laughs> Achman doesn't sound like that when I say it. tricks <laughs> He was great. He yeah. had. We weren't sure again if he uh, had the comedic chops because we didn't see him do a lot of comedy, but he had done Talladega Nights. And so we reached out to Adam McKay, who had directed him in Talladega Nights, and he said, oh, yeah, he's great. He's really good at improvisation, really there and very present and uh, funny. So we felt really comfortable casting him. Obviously, and because he had won. Yeah, I, I'm, I think he was an Academy Award nominee. I don't think he won, but he was nominated for an Academy Award for The Green Mile. Yeah, yeah. Very talented actor. We're sad yeah. to lose him. Yeah. He had a heart condition. You
0: were Obviously, with Super Troopers too, you uh, you crowdfunded the first lot of money for that. Did was that a different experience for you, like reaching out to the fans to for help with that?
1: Yeah, we were hesitant at first. You know, we didn't want to have to do that. Uh, you know, we're so the sort of backstory is that you know we're a sketch comedy group like you know Monty Python, like I mentioned. I hate to say that because they're so good, you know, and we aren't at that level, but they're. But you know, you, you love to write different plots. You like to play different characters, and so after Super Troopers came out, people wanted a sequel right away. But we wanted to try different characters and write some different stories and go to some different locations, and so we wanted to make several movies in between. So then we did Club Dread and Beer Fest, and then eventually we kept having people approach us on the street and say, "Hey, when Super Troopers two come out? When Super Troopers 2? And so we went back to Searchlight Pictures and we said, "There's, you know, a lot of people are asking about it." and they were like you know just so much time has passed i just don't know if that audience is still there and they just weren't quite sure if that audience was there so they said you know we just uh, aren't going to finance it because they just didn't know <laughs> and so we we felt like there was a lot of people asking for it and we felt like there was a you know just this groundswell kind of, of people wanting it that they weren't experiencing it cuz we would meet people on the street saying it to us right and uh, they just weren't certain, so we said, you know, I hate to not make this movie, so maybe we could try this crowdfunding thing and see if it works. Yeah, you know, and you just didn't know on day one, you know, you might get five dollars, you might get a hundred, or you might get your goal, and you weren't sure. I mean, on that day, we tried to put together a really fun campaign, and that was to get far out of the trunk. And the only way that this movie would get funded is if we reached a goal and then we'd release Farb out of the trunk and then he could act in the movie. That was kind of like our little fun little campaign that we did. Um, But you didn't know. I mean, on day one, you hit that start button and, man, we were sweating. We didn't know if anybody wanted to see Super Troopers 2. So we were kind of blown away when we we hit our goal within 24 hours. Yeah, it was like $2 million, was it, in 24 hours? in 24 hours. Something like that. Yeah, some crazy numbers so Searchlight realized that that audience was still there that they just didn't didn't know if it was
0: yeah it's really an interesting way of doing it isn't it where it's like letting the fans put their money where their mouth is it's all it's all good them coming up to you five and saying we want it we want it but to say okay well here's my twenty dollars or whatever in advance
1: yeah yeah a- we're like we want it too but it's it's those are movies that just cost so much money to make which is such a bummer you know like Otherwise, we would have 20 movies out there right now, but they're just so expensive. It's prohibitive.
0: Yeah. So, uh, in that vein, do you have, uh, are there a pile of broken lizard scripts
1: ready sure. to go? Or? Sure. Slam and Salmon was one of those we had written and it sat uh, on the shelf for years. We had a whole bunch of scripts that we've written over the years. And um, we, there was a writer strike that was happening in Los Angeles, and we happened to have a, an office at the time at Warner Brothers. And they were going to shut things down for this writer's strike. And you didn't know if it was going to last, you know, a month or 10 years. So we said, well, maybe during this time, if it's going to be an extended strike, we could take this script that we have off the shelf. And, you know, if it's already written, um, you don't have to do any more writing. We can just go make it. And so we we made a, we raised a little bit of private equity for that. And then we made the movie independently um, during the writer's strike. And that's how the Slam and Salmon got made. Uh Just take Script off the shelf that we already had. We tried to find the lowest budget script that we had, and the Slam and Salmon took place in one location. So we thought we could do it for a uh, price.
0: Yeah, it's almost like a play, isn't it, in that regard, where it, apart from the kitchen and um, the, the office, the Champ's office, it all kind of takes place in the
1: restaurant, doesn't it? It's... And, that, and that was fun because I was on the same set. So, you know, it was just behind a wall, but every night you would just turn the lights on. And at night, you'd turn the lights off, and you were all in the same place every single day. Yeah, you know, I mean, to go and set up somewhere on different
0: locations, and
1: yeah, <clears throat> I mean, because that's so much work. If you change a location, like all these semi trucks have to get packed up, and then the semi trucks have to drive somewhere else, and then they have to unpack, and just hours go by. <clears throat> so it it was nice to have one location.
0: Uh, lots of actors say it's like they get paid to sit around
1: and wait is like a big part of the job. Yes, that's why you have trailers just so you have somewhere to like read a book for six hours or memorize your lines. Uh,
0: uh while, while we're talking about super troopers, too, uh, it's, I imagine this is the second question you get asked the most when are we going to see weed fest?
1: <laughs> I get the question I get asked the most is, Was it real maple syrup that you chug? <laughs> and the second question is, Uh, where's, we, where's weed fest? So, yeah, it's definitely the second most question. Um, so <laughs> The, try to make a short answer to that is that we uh, always loved Willie Nelson. Willie Nelson was like somebody that we just uh, were huge fans of, but he doesn't drink beer. So we wanted to have him at Beer Fest because Jay had just directed him in uh, Dukes of Hazzard. And so they had met and he's like got his connection to Willie, uh, <clears throat> but he doesn't drink beer. So we kind of wrote this ending as a, a fun kind of teaser uh, as a way to get Willie Nelson into the movie Beer Fest. And we thought that everybody would sort of just understand that this was a joke at the end. But a lot of people really do take it seriously. saying when it said coming soon, PotFest, right? Uh, So we've been getting asked that. Where's PotFest? Where's (laughs) PotFest? So at the end, it's coming soon. And we're like, that's a joke. And then uh, we went back to Warner Brothers, and we got all this incoming. We had a ton of incoming phone calls of people wanting to be in it, you know, sort of like well-known stoners. And uh, you know, Method Man came to our office. Said, "Hey, I want to be in this movie." We uh, we hung out with uh, Snoop Dogg and Willie and Cheech. You know, <laughs> so we had so great people that will be lined up for it. We went to Warner Brothers, and they said, "Well, you know, we're we're this family kind of run studio. We we were the studio that made Yogi Bear, and so they weren't a hundred percent behind making a stoner comedy." Um but you know who knows it's changing a lot in the United States a lot of states now it's legalized. How yeah. is it over there is it is it
0: legalized or is it no it's um, it, it was downgraded to a lower level drug, but it's still illegal over here I think it's it's socially it's it's more acceptable for people to be stoners you know where it's like oh no, I don't drink comma stoner where i and you know that doesn't raise any eyebrows but I think, uh, if, if, as far as
1: the police are concerned, it's, uh, <laughs> it's still illegal. Them. Yeah, I think Canada has legalized it now, nationwide, which is pretty cool. So it's slowly happening. We'll see. So maybe one day we'll get weed vests. Who knows? Uh, and then uh, something that
0: I learned from this mm-hmm. that I didn't know uh, before is uh, that you have a prosthetic leg. Yeah, I do. And then, uh, like, in the last couple of years, you've been going out and giving, like, motivational talks based around that. Yeah. Um, but I, I, that's something I, uh, you know, I consider myself quite a big Broken Lizard fan. And until I saw that DVD, I had uh, no idea. Is that, you know, was that something you were hiding almost or...?
1: Sort of. Yeah. Sort of. Not not necessarily that I was... Um... I mean, I was hiding in the sense that, and it's it's a good word, uh, and it's a good question. Um, I find that casting directors and sort of like Hollywood in general is a little short-sighted. And things are changing a lot, you know, with like diversity and all the conversations that are currently happening. But I'm talking about over the last 20, 30 years, the idea of if somebody saw me as having, as a guy with a prosthetic, that I would only be considered able to play roles of somebody with a prosthetic, yeah. meaning like somebody that came back that was fighting and they got their leg blown off in their wheelchair or, um, you know, kind of a cliche, typical role. I had, I just felt like I, I didn't want casting directors to not be able to see me as somebody that could just be like Rabbit in Super Troopers or, um, uh, you know, Guy in, in Slam and Sam, and it's just a regular person. Yeah, Because I can play an able-bodied person like you never knew that I had a prosthetic. Yeah. But I, I always felt like I might not get cast because people thought that I wouldn't be able to play that. Does that make sense? Yeah, okay. Yeah. And so I, I wanted to get all these roles sort of under my belt first before I sort of came out and talked about it. Because then I could be like, hey, and by the way, I just did that, all of these parts with a prosthetic. So hopefully you won't see me as somebody who can't do it with a prosthetic. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so the motivational speaking isn't necessarily like Tony Robbins or anything. You know, it's not like I'm going around doing Tony Robbins motivational speaking, but I uh, I like to go to universities, um, uh, corporations. I do a lot of speaking with uh, military groups and I kind of just tell stories of growing up with wooden leg, funny stories, uh, the challenges of that. that occurred when I grew up on a wooden leg you know falling down all the time uh, kids taking my leg and playing you know catch with it Uh, just stuff that kids do funny stories overcoming that those challenges and then going on to make a movie in Hollywood which also presents challenges because it's very hard to make a film and how those challenges when I was younger helped me prepare uh, for life later and I say that everybody has a wooden leg, you know, we all have something that we're always struggling with, mental, emotional, physical, whatever it may be. But uh, sometimes we can just see that as a challenge that we have to overcome versus something that uh, gets in our way. So it's just kind of a fun talk I give, you know, it's yeah. not like uh, Tony Robbins, kind of, well, I, I get labeled as a motivational speaker, but it's just kind of going around telling a funny keynote, sometimes at universities or at uh, corporations during uh, events. Yeah. It's fun, yeah. I do it a couple of times a year.
0: And uh, I've taken up uh, enough of your time already, Eric, but uh, there's a question that I like to end all my interviews with. Uh, So I'd like to put it past you. And uh, just to set you up, some of the (laughs) answers we've had so far, uh, Ricky Gervais, uh, Russell Brand, uh, and Steve Guttenberg from Cocoon. Okay. So the question is, who is the most famous person you've sent a text message to?
1: Text message yeah. to huh? Um, accidentally or on, <laughs> uh, on purpose? It, it, your choice. It's a, it's a open for
0: interpretation.
1: I wish that I had Ricky Gervais or Russell Brand's uh, phone number. <laughs> uh, those are two of my favorite comedians. I would love it if I if I could ever text them. Um, boy, I think about that famous. If if it makes it easier, you can broaden it
0: out to like a DM or a WhatsApp or um... sure, sure. <laughs> uh, <I'm
1: laughs> Johnny Knoxville. Oh wait, okay, yeah, that's He's impressive. That category of famous. Oh yeah, Brian Cox. I mean, probably, you know, probably like Brian or Johnny or yeah, that's that. That too. You know, big
0: big names. It's it's funny. It's one of those questions, and I, I don't know why I like. Uh, well,
1: I, I have texted with Rob. I forgot that Rob Lowe was wow. doing a show when I went and saw him and I texted him about uh, meeting him. So yeah, Rob Lowe? Well, yeah,
0: Rob Lowe is yeah, Rob Lowe, yeah, Lowe's great. All right. It's, it's funny. It's like I say, I, I end on it and it sometimes it makes it quite awkward because people <laughs> really want to give you a good answer. So people think about it for a while <laughs> or people have a boom straight away. Like, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a silly question, but I, uh, I, I like it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I had to remember during the time, you know, like who I would have been texting with. But yeah, I guess Roblo, oh, Roblo, yeah, Roblo's
0: brilliant. brilliant. Um, and and th- is there anything that you want to plug while you're here? You want to point people in the direction of?
1: Yeah, well, I guess I uh, hope that people will check out our last film that we put out there, Super Troopers Two, uh, was very. We had a lot of success with that, so we are currently in the process of writing Super Troopers Three. Yes. <laughs> so. I had to plug anything, I'd say check out Super Troopers 2 and uh, keep an eye out for Super Troopers 3, which is going to be a while. We're going to finish writing it and then shoot it, so it'll be a while. But you can watch Super Troopers 2 now in preparation down the road for Super Troopers 3. As, as long as we don't have to wait 16 years. <laughs> Might be a couple. Might be a couple. Less than 16
0: thank you ever so much for your time erica i am genuinely a huge uh broken lizard fan so it's proper it's an honor to talk to you really Thanks
1: for having me uh across the pond appreciate it well
0: why doesn't it sound like that when i say it meat drapes